We are going to dive into the message this morning. My friend Joel is going to come up wherever Joel is, and Joel is going to read the scripture this morning. And uh, we decided that we were going to go in the summertime. We we're going to sort of look at a look at a like a different uh, a topic that is important and necessary for all of us in our lives. And we thought that we would look at the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. We started that last week, and Joel's going to read the scripture for us this morning. Today's scripture comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 1 through 26. Read it with me. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son... Do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is far more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare to her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is the tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When, the ruin that o- <clears throat> Sorry, when, you, when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be at your side, and he will keep your foot from being snared. This is God's word. Thank you. Um, I have a confession to make, and it's a little bit of an embarrassing confession. Um, I have been a part of every bad decision that I've ever made. I was there for every single one of them. It's embarrassing. Every single bad decision I've ever made, I was right there. In fact, I was, I was orchestrating all of the bad decisions that I have ever made. And, you know, it's embarrassing to admit, but also I feel safe with you guys this morning because I have the feeling that you're the exact same as me. Isn't it true that you have, you were an accomplice, at least, um, if not the orchestrator, if not the mastermind behind every bad decision behind every unwise decision that you've ever made. 
It's true. And all of us have had regrets, right? All of us have had things that we, decisions that we've made, and then we got later on, and maybe it was a week later, maybe it was, it was a moment later, maybe it was a year later where you look back and you think, why? Why did I do that? Why did I go through with that deal? Why did I buy that? Like, you know, why did I date him? Or why did I date her? You know, why did I, why, 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 why did I do that? I mean, at the time, it all seemed like it was going to go great. At the time, you thought it was the, the best decision that you could make. But then later on, you realize that it wasn't. And that knowledge should humble all of us in the room. Because here's the reality is every single one of us, we know what it's like to make a bad decision because you've, you've made bad decisions and you recognize it. But it's kind of scary to think that you might right now be in the midst of making an unwise decision. In fact, you might right now be masterminding something that you are going to regret later. Isn't that crazy? That you might be right in the middle of doing that. We, we, have, to, we have to have the humility to acknowledge that I, I need, and this is where we're spending some weeks here, is I need wisdom. I need wisdom. God, I need more wisdom. I am perishing for lack of wisdom. We desperately need wisdom in our lives. And so last week we started this sermon series. We were saying that uh, it's so essential. Wisdom is so essential um, because one of the, there's, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why wisdom is so essential is because most of the decisions that you have to make every single day require wisdom. You've got morals. Morals are good. And you'll make some decisions perhaps during the day that require, you know, you to flex your moral muscles, you know, like, should I do this? And oh, this isn't moral. I shouldn't do that. Those tend to be actually sometimes the easier decisions because they tend to be more black and white. And then you you need knowledge to make decisions. You're making decisions all the time because of your knowledge, because of your know-how. But as we said last week, and I can't, you know, if you missed last week, then you can listen to it online. But Last week we said knowledge and morals, as good as those are, I hope you have both of those things in abundance, they're not enough. Because many, in fact, most of the decisions that you make every single day aren't necessarily moral decisions, black and white like that, and they're not necessarily knowledge decisions. You have all the knowledge, but they're wisdom decisions. What do I do in this instance? Do I, do I you know, go here? Do I go there? I mean, sometimes though, that's just in the moment. That's not a knowledge or moral thing. That's just, you need wisdom. And so wisdom is so, so essential. And the other, one of the other reasons why we said we need wisdom is because, unfortunately, many of us weren't taught wisdom. If you're a parent in the room, I hope you're teaching your kids wisdom, not just knowledge, not just morals. Teach them those things. But wisdom, how do they get wisdom? Unfortunately, some of us weren't taught wisdom. We grew up in homes where we had, where we had very unwise parents, perhaps. Or we just grew up in a context where we just weren't able to see wisdom for what it was. And so therefore, we feel Ill- ill-equipped to walk through life with wisdom. So thankfully, the Bible has a lot to say about wisdom. Thankfully, the Bible um, is uh, filled with wisdom. And that's why we're looking at Proverbs and Ecclesiastes over the summer. But here's what's cool about what the Bible does for wisdom, by the way. The Bible isn't interested in, and maybe this is news to you. Maybe you thought the Bible was sort of just like, well, maybe you thought the Bible was like this. Maybe you thought that this is sort of like the essence of the Bible. You've seen one of these before? Of course you have. You love these. Maybe you thought, maybe you thought that the wisdom that the Bible offers is like fortune cookie wisdom. You know, that the goal of the Bible is to give you some, 
some wisdom statements, you know, that you can Instagram later, you know, and just the Bible's here to sort of just give you these wisdom nuggets. But listen, the Bible, the Bible is so much more than just interested in giving you wisdom nuggets, all right? In fact, let's just see what this wisdom nugget has for us today. This will be entertaining. Um, Be careful of extravagance. Ooh, okay. The Bible is not interested in just to give you little nuggets. You know what the Bible's more interested in? Not just giving you wisdom, but making you wise. See, that's different. Giving you wisdom and making you wise, those are different. Because don't you all know, don't we all know people who know some wisdom, but they're not necessarily wise, right? You can have wisdom, but not apply it, not have it be a part of your life. And so the Bible isn't interested in just, and the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, on first reading, you think, oh, this is just a bunch of sayings, you know, just a bunch of things we're just supposed to try to do. But no, no, no. The Bible's more interested in turning you into the kind of person that makes wise decisions, turning you into someone who is wise. And so um, we... uh, I had Joel read this passage because in this passage, we see a couple things about wisdom that I think are important for us to understand as we begin this sermon series through the summer. Here's here's the the four things I want to say this morning. Wisdom is annoyingly honest. Wisdom is intentionally slippery. Wisdom is carefully plotted. And wisdom is beautifully impossible. Four things. Here we go. Here's the first one is wisdom is annoyingly honest. Annoyingly honest. This, ver- uh, this passage, verse 19 and 20, says this By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Um, all throughout Proverbs, it's alluding to the fact that God created the world with wisdom, that wisdom was with God in the beginning, and in the beginning was wisdom, and the wisdom was God, and the was, wisdom was with God, and it's painting this beautiful picture of how wisdom uh, was, was at the beginning, and it's saying something very significant, which is sort of saying, wisdom is sort of saying, listen, I was there when, when the world was built, that I pervade this whole world. I, 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 wisdom, wisdom says about itself, I'm or in everything. I'm, I've, when I was created, I was created when everything else was, was, I was there when everything else was created. Now this is significant. This is significant because, because um, every, I've got a friend who works at Boeing, by the way. We, well, I have a lot of friends that work at Boeing because I used to live up there in Everett where there's a big Boeing plant. And so I, uh, I've got to, have you ever been to the Boeing plant, by the way? You should go. It's incredible. It's the largest building in the world, all right? It just, it's, they get their own weather systems inside the Boeing manufacturing plant because it's so humongous. And so I've got a few friends who help design airplanes, which is, which is really cool. And one of the things that they do is they have to design airplanes according to the laws of aerodynamics. You know why they have to do that? Because it'll crash if they don't, right? They have to take into account the laws of aerodynamics because that's, those are like, those are laws. That's how the world works. And if you build an airplane and you don't take into account the law of aerodynamics or the laws of aerodynamics, your plane will crash, okay? And this goes for so many other things. We could just use so many different examples. If you, if we, after church, went down to bounce, you know, bounce down on West 11th, and, uh, and, but you didn't take into account the laws of gravity, then you're breaking an ankle, all right? Or your face or someone else's face. It's dangerous down there, people. Um, 
you have to take into account the laws of gravity when you go to bounce. Um, if you try to roast marshmallows this summer and you don't take into account the laws of thermodynamics, then you're going to get some burnt-to-a-crisp marshmallows, right? Um, you have to look at the world around you. I don't know what your, uh, what your industry is, what your business is, but you know you have to run your industry and your business based on the way the world actually works. And if you don't run your business or run, you know, or, or, or just live your life according to the, the way that the world actually works, then things don't go well. Things fail. Things break down. That's true, right? But, but many times, though, often we, we get confused and we tend to realize then that if God created everything and if God created us, then, then if I don't operate my relationships on the way that God created relationships to work, then my relationships are going to crash. If, if I approach sex and sexuality in a different way than what God created it for, then as much as I think, oh, this is going to go well for me, this is going to make me free, this is, you know, I'm, this is going to be great. If you don't approach sex and sexuality in the way that God created it, then it's not going to be good. In fact, it's going gonna, it's gonna to break down. If you approach the world and you don't take into account a, a real spiritual reality that, pervert, that, that pervades everything, then you will be sort of building and framing your life in a way that doesn't match up with reality. And here, and isn't it sometimes easier, by the way, to just sort of live in a bubble and pretend that you're living and, and, and not take into account the reality that's around us. Sometimes we just love to live in denial. And this is why, this is why the Proverbs are so helpful because they are annoyingly honest, the Proverbs are. Because the Proverbs tell us how the world really works, how our hearts really work, and it dares us to live our lives accordingly. That's what the Proverbs are there for. It's just telling, in fact, this leads us to a really great definition of wisdom. Here's sort of my working definition of wisdom right now is this, is wisdom is first knowing how things really are and then knowing how things really work and then knowing what to do about how things really are and how things really work and then it doesn't even stop there and then real wisdom is then really doing it, then really living it. Knowing how things really are, knowing how things really work, knowing what to do about how things really are and really work, and then really doing it. And so in this way, wisdom is annoyingly honest with us because it doesn't let us off the hook. It says, listen, you can't live your life that way. If you do, it will break down. It'll fail. Trust me, I know. I was there at the beginning. I know how your heart works. So would you trust me? I'm going to tell you how, you, how things really are. I'm going to tell you how the world really works. And I want to dare you then to live your life accordingly. Um, it is annoyingly honest. But then here's the other thing. It's worse than you think. Wisdom, this is my second point. Wisdom is intentionally slippery. It's intentionally slippery, wisdom is. When you read the book of Proverbs, at first, it seems like it's gonna be quite cut and dry. In fact, the passage that we read today um, is, uh, is it, it seems like it's gonna be cut and dry. It says, you know, Proverbs 3, verses one through six. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. And then it says, for they, if you do those things, for they will. That seems like a, like a promise. That's like, if I do these things, then 
It will prolong your life many years and will bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor as a, and, and a good name in the sight of God and man. And then in verse 9 it says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then, if you do that first thing, if you do A, then... Your barns will be filled with overflowing and your vats will brim with new wine. And at first it seems like, man, these are, these are awesome promises for us. If I just do A, if I do A plus B, I will get C. This is good news. But when you start reading Proverbs and when you take it really seriously, seriously you start seeing some weird Proverbs in there. And it's not as cut and dry as you start to think. In fact, one of my favorite ones is from, is from uh, I think, the Proverbs 26. It says this. Is it from 26? Yes, it is. 26. It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you, or you yourself will be just like him. Don't talk. If somebody's foolish with you, just leave them alone. Just don't talk back to them. Just let them be foolish, right? And then you, as soon as you got it figured out, the very next verse says this, answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. <laughs> and you're left with those two proverbs like, uh, wait, what am I supposed to do? I'm not supposed to answer a fool in his folly, but I'm supposed to answer a fool in his folly. This is confusing, Proverbs. Like, just tell me. Just tell me A plus B equals C, and I'll do that stuff. But when you get into it, you see it's a little bit more slippery than you thought. What's going on? I love this other proverb, too. In fact, John, put, that, put the other one. I think the one that I skipped. This one's hilarious to me. Proverbs 4, 7 says this. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. <laughs> I love the Bible. It's hilarious. Here's how you get wisdom. Get it. Thanks, wisdom. That is so helpful. And it's a little bit more slippery than you expect it's going to be. What is going on here? Why? Why is wisdom doing this to us? Well, first of all, I would just want to acknowledge that I'm glad that the Proverbs do this because we know that life doesn't work like A plus B equals C. We know that life doesn't always work that way. We know that if I just do this, then, you know, if, if I'm saved my money, then, I'll, then I should always have a lot of money. But, man, you've, you've saved and something happened and you had to spend your money on something that you didn't think you were going to have to spend it on. And now you have no money. And you're like, what? I thought, well, the Proverbs said, what's going on? But what I love is that the Proverbs are telling us something true about how, how we know the world actually works. How it actually works is not as cut and dry as we think. And this is crucial for us to understand. Listen to this. This is crucial. It's easy to confuse Proverbs with promises. Think about that. It's easy to confuse Proverbs with promises. Let me explain. There's some beautiful promises in the Proverbs. We just read some. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And I'm, and I'm not saying they're not promises, but I'm kind of saying that they're not promises. Do you see how I proverbed you there? You see what I did there? Is we have to just be careful that we don't read Proverbs and, and say, oh, that's a promise, when really it's a proverb. And what is a proverb doing? Well, a proverb is it's slippery, it's more slippery than you think. Proverbs trying to draw out our hearts a little bit more. The Proverbs are asking us to wrestle. One proverb doesn't explain the world. You need multiple ones. 
Just like one perspective isn't enough for you, you you're going to need multiple perspectives. And Proverbs is honest enough with you, annoyingly so sometimes, to tell you the truth about how your heart works. And what you know about your heart is your heart tends to be complicated. And, you know, it's, and Proverbs is inviting us to sort of wrestle with that and wrestle with that. We have to be careful that we don't treat the Bible, but especially Proverbs, as a 12-step, step one, step two, step three. And if you do all 12 steps, your life will be gold. Because that's not the promise. That's not the promise. We need more than just one proverb. And you know what? Here's why I love the Bible. Here's where Ecclesiastes comes in. This is a strange book. If you've ever read Ecclesiastes, um, well, you probably heard Ecclesiastes because you've heard, like, there's a ton of songs that are popular songs in our culture, especially from the 60s, that had, uh, that had like, you know, ex- lyrics from Ecclesiastes. But here's what I love about the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. If we can turn it into a math formula, here's sort of what it would look like is Proverbs looks like this, mostly, mostly. There's some weird ones in there, but pro- mostly Proverbs says, listen, if you do A and you do B, you're going to get C. Good news. And then the next book in the Bible is Ecclesiastes. And you know what Ecclesiastes says? I did A and I did B and I did not get C. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, they call him the professor. And he's, he's sort of, the professor is sort of, Looking back at the previous book of Proverbs, I'm saying, wait a minute. Proverbs said that if I do this and do this, I'll get this. But that's not how my life worked out. And that's not how your life probably didn't work out. And wait a minute, what's going on here? So don't you see, you can't just use one, one proverb. You need more than one proverb. And you, and you can't just use Proverbs. You need Ecclesiastes too. And then you need some Job, and then you need the rest to come on in and gives us some perspective on how do we have wisdom. How do we have wisdom? Um, What's going on with all this? Well, um, here's what's really cool is if you, if you think, if you're one of these, if you're a person that thinks life has no pattern, life has no rules, I want to be free from patterns and rules, and so I'm going to live my life however I want, and nobody can tell me how to live my life. I'm just going to find my own way. If the Bible says, and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes says, if you approach life like there's no law of thermodynamics and no law of sexual dynamics and no law, if you just approach your life and say, I'm just going to come up with my own rule, the Bible says, listen, if you do that, you're being a fool. You're foolish. That's not how life works. Aha, but, but if you're on the other end and you say, I understand how life works. If I do A and if I do B, I'll get C. And if I just follow all the rules, everything will go fine for me. The book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes say, ah, if you think that way, you're a fool. Do you see how it gets us both ways? It gets us both ways. It says, if you try to live your life however you want, you're a fool. If you think that you got life figured out and you just, as long as you do this and do this, everything will be fine and you know, you, then you're a fool. And do you see what it's doing? It's inviting us into something bigger than just memorizing some Proverbs. It's inviting us into becoming people that know how to be wise, that know how to be wise. And that way, the Proverbs are intentionally very slippery. And it's showing us something very important, that wisdom isn't a technique. It's not a formula. It's not a vending machine. If you're some, if you're a Christian here and, you're, and you're, maybe you're disappointed today, I don't know, let me just talk to you for a second. You're disappointed today because you were told and you thought 
And I'm not saying it was bad to think this. I'm just, you were just told that if I go to church and if, and if I read my Bible and if I just be nice to my neighbor and if I do all the Christian stuff and if I give to the church and if I, and if I just sort of, if I press this button and if I press this button and if I press this button and as long as I make sure I press this button, then out of the vending machine will come an incredible life. A blessed life. See, if you think that way, Proverbs says, you're a fool. You're a fool. You're treating God like a vending machine. You're treating God and treating wisdom like a formula. Oh, and he is not a vending machine. And he is not a formula. He is way bigger than that. I don't want to worship a God who's a vending machine. That's too small. You don't want to worship a God that's a vending machine. That's too small. God is bigger than all that. He is above all that. Please don't turn him into a vending machine. And this leads me to my third point. Here's my third point is this, is wisdom not only isn't it a formula, but it's also not a door. It's not a door. Um, it's not as if one day you're not wise and then the next day you're suddenly wise. You, you know, like, should I pick the number one, door number one, door number two, door number three? I'll pick the wisdom door. Number three, ta-da, wise. I'm wise. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Wisdom is not a formula and it's not a door that you walk through. Here's what it says resoundingly all the way through the book of Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and the rest of the Bible, in fact. It says it's not a formula and it's not a door. It's a path. It's a path. 600 or 700 times in the Bible, your life is mostly referred to as walking a path. A path. It's a journey. It's a path. Not a door. Not a formula. It's a path. That means that the process to become wise, it takes time. And what do you do with a path? What do you do when you walk on a path? Well, it's a little bit like what about Bob? Remember what about Bob? Baby steps. Baby steps, baby steps. I think I just aged myself there. There's like maybe eight of you that know about what about Bob. Um, what do you do when you, uh, when you walk on a path? It's just left foot, right foot. Left foot, right foot. Le it's not sexy. It's not exciting necessarily. It's just left foot, right foot. Left, that's, that's running a path. I, I didn't know if Todd Glender would be here today. Um, is, a, is, is he at a race right now? Oh, this is classic because I was going to talk about what Todd does. Todd is insane. Todd, I hope you listen to this afterwards because um, I just want everyone to know that I think Todd's insane. Todd is an ultra marathon runner. He runs century runs. You know what that means? He runs, he'll, he'll go on runs for 100 miles or more. Like you have to take naps and, in between, and you, you stop and like camp and then keep running. His toenails fall off at the end of it because, because it just like, you know, makes his toes die. You know, I don't know what happens, but it's insane. It's incredible. I'm so impressed with the guy. He will run forever and ever and ever. And he's at a race right now. Who knows how long it is? But it's probably, you know, some God awful number of miles that he's running. And do you know what Todd, you do, do you know what Todd does when he's running? Left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. It's got to be so boring, right? But he loves it, you know? It's just, I don't know, he just loves it. But it's left foot, right foot. That's what you do. That's, what you, that's how you find wisdom. This is how God does guidance. He doesn't necessarily t tell us eight, eight steps ahead. Sometimes 
Like, 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 like the Bible says, that he will be a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. And in those days, they didn't have big flashlights. They just had like little lights. It's like a candle. And when you're holding a candle going for a walk, a lot of times you can only see one step ahead. And so wisdom bids us, hey, do you want to come wise? Don't think it's a formula. Don't treat it like a vending machine. And hey, if you want to become wise, don't treat it like a door. Treat it like a path. One foot, one foot, one foot. Little decisions, little decisions, little decisions upon little decisions that continue to shape you and mold you. This is how your character gets developed. Did you know that? Just little decisions, little steps, day by day. If that's true, then it's either encouraging or it's discouraging. If it's true, it's encouraging because that means that for many of us, you are slowly but surely every day becoming a little bit more wise. Some of, uh, some of us, every single day, you are making decisions to make yourself less critical. Every single day, you're becoming a little bit less critical of others. Every single day, you're becoming a little bit less intimidated by other people who you're with in the room who might have more money than you or more powerful than you. Every single day, you're becoming, more, you're, you're becoming better with their success or their success, and you're looking at all their success, and you're thinking, why don't I have success? Why don't I have that? And that used to be a really big problem for you, and it used, maybe it used to cause you to try to like tear them down and break them down and criticize them. But now, slowly but surely, every single day, just little decision by decision, slowly but surely, you're just... You're becoming more confident in, in knowing that you don't have to compete with them. If it's okay, if, if they succeed and, you know, it, it's all right. Their win is my win, you know. Every single day you're becoming a little bit, a little bit less fearful. You're becoming a little bit more joyful. Step by step, every single day. You're just, wisdom is growing in you. Because you are, I, if, you, if that's happening, that means you've chosen the path of wisdom. Now, it's discouraging for some of us because for some of us, you aren't on the wisdom path. And you potentially, this morning, this is where I'm going to bring it home for us and then, you know, I'll send you off and just make you wrestle <laughs> in your heart. But for some, of, for some of us, you are on a path where every single day you are becoming more critical. You're becoming, you're becoming more, more intimidated by the people around you that maybe have more than you or more sex successful than you. You're, you're, you're looking every single day just a little bit more. You're looking at people who are succeeding and it's making you angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. You're on a path. You're on a path that is literally leading you. And I hesitate to say this because this is like one of those words in church where it's like, oh, pastor, I brought a friend. Don't say that word. But little by little, that path will lead you to hell. And when I say hell, I'm, I'm, please don't picture like, you know, uh, fire, hell. I'm not talking. I'm talking about hell on earth. See, this is where hell begins. And as C.S. Lewis says, and I don't have time to go into it today because this isn't a sermon on hell. But C.S. Lewis says, but listen, if, if our souls go on forever... And even in the span of my lifetime that I'm slowly growing in love, I'm growing in joy, I'm, I'm growing in, 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 in confidence, I'm growing in those things, then, then in a million years, I'll be, 
Who knows what I'll be in a million years? But what if in my lifetime, slowly I'm becoming more of a racist? What if slowly in my life, just little by little, and even in the span of, of five decades, you wouldn't even necessarily see the, you know, see the effects, but in my heart, slowly but surely, the bitterness that's setting in and the anger and what about me and what about my stuff, all that stuff is beginning to grow in you slowly but surely. And in a million years, if it's true that our souls don't die, if it's true that, we, that we, we live on infinitely somewhere, that means that in a million years, I will, I'll, it, that's, that, that's hell. That's hell. So really, the, what I would just want to say this morning is, just as we begin these next weeks looking at wisdom, how do we get it and how do we, how do we apply it to our lives? My question this morning is, are you on the path of wisdom? Or are you on another path? The path that you're on, is it transforming you slowly but surely but make, and making you look more like Jesus? Or slowly but surely, is it moving you away? That's a big question, right? It's okay for you to wrestle with that question. I want you to wrestle with that question. Here's my last point and then I'm done. The answer, by the way, isn't, oh, I don't know if I have a lot of wisdom. I'm just going to try hard to get wisdom. I'm just going to, okay, I'm just, every decision, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have wisdom. I'm going to just try harder. You're just going to try and do and do and do. And I'm just going to be someone who's wise. And you're just like making all this effort. Listen, if that's, that's your goal, if that's how you're going to try to get wisdom, it's not how it's going to work. That isn't where it starts. Next week, you don't want to miss next week. Because next week, we're going to talk about what's really the secret of wisdom. What is the beginning of wisdom? What is the beginning of wisdom? Where do you start with wisdom? Because you don't start with effort, trying harder, I'll be wise. You're just going to give yourself a headache, like I just did. You're just, that's not going to put you on the path to wisdom. It starts somewhere else. And ultimately, this is why my last point is sort of a weird one. My last point was wisdom is beautifully impossible. It's beautifully impossible. Meaning, you don't get wisdom just by, oh, I'm going to be wise. You get wisdom by looking to the source of wisdom. You get wisdom by realizing that, listen, listen, and then, and then I'm done. I've said that three times now. Jesus walked the path of wisdom for you. You can't walk the path of wisdom perfectly. You're not, you're not good enough. You're not varsity enough. Jesus steps onto the scene and says, I am wisdom. And not only am I true wisdom, Jesus says, but I am going to walk the path of wisdom for you. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to be the one to walk it for you. When you encounter Jesus like that, then, and, and it melts your heart, when his grace really melts your heart, then that's when you know that you're really a Christian and your life starts to change. Let his grace melt your heart this morning. Realize that he's done it for you. What path are you on? That's the question that I just want to leave you with. Next week, we're going to pick up with where does this path begin? Where does it all start? I'm looking forward to it.